Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the Cats. If it is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on Podcast. Well, I mean, some of us are here every day. Others, maybe not every single day. <laughs> But um, this, this edition of the show is brought to you by First Watch. We'll tell you about the best breakfast spot in Lexington in just a bit. So, Kyle, we were planning on recording this a little bit earlier, and it was actually a good thing we got slightly delayed because some news dropped, and it involves Kentucky and the FBI uh, probe into basketball. Christian Dawkins had an email that Outside the Lines obtained and in it were two Kentucky um, players, one current, Ashton Haggins, one former, Jared Vanderbilt, and then a couple of prospects. What would you make of uh, the report from ESPN? Well, it's certainly sort of incendiary. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make a bunch of waves probably. Basically, it's Christian Dawkins, the runner in this whole deal. He was tied up in the Louisville situation. Uh, his business planned a, a, a his partners five page document where he, he basically his business partners plans to make thousands of dollars of uh, payments and other benefits to I think like 19 or 20 guys like top in college are going to be in college soon there's guys in the 2019 and 2020 recruiting classes uh, and these are all plans it, it sounds like and so well I will say this I uh, it is, I'll say this though the the one thing there are a couple of guys that are in this plan that then there are a bunch of phone calls between um, Dawkins and the family or a representative not you know, not a true representative of a player but someone attached to the player uh, so those might carry a little bit more weight in theory uh, but neither of those are con- involved in the Kentucky guys that are mentioned and as you said the Ashton Hagen thing it's kind of just laughable because <laughs> I mean you shouldn't laugh about potential violations and potentially getting a school in trouble. But basically, he just wanted to pay every good high school basketball player, and then in theory, he'd be able to sign them, which is, I mean, if you in, if you could do that, that would be a great way to run your business, but that's not how it would work for him. Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, if you add it all up, he's got hundreds of thousands of dollars of payment that uh, they would have been making just hoping to get some of these guys. And uh, you know, as we should, we we should definitely point out, I don't, there's uh, in m- many of these cases, maybe all of these cases, uh, there's no uh, indication that they were actually paid. This was a plan, mm-hmm. uh, and in some of them, they're a little more detailed. You go through the bullet points of the ESPN by Mark Schleyball from this Dawkins. You know, they they connect some more dots. You know, they the he'll say, uh, Dawkins may say that this this family member or that member we've talked to or or is going to be involved and. You know, Jared Vanderbilt, 14 games. Colin Sexton uh, at Alabama, a list. Uh, VJ King and Ray Spalding from Louisville, a list. There's uh, guys from Mississippi State and Oregon and Arizona, LSU, Southern Cal, Xavier. Mm-hmm. So, and then, like you said, there's Ashton Haggis, James Wiseman, who's the top recruit in the class. We've talked a lot about on this podcast, the Kentucky's top target in the 29th class the number one overall recruit in the 2019 class and then um, uh, is and, on the the plan as well and then where it got even farther 
Also, a couple of 2020 guys are involved, including R.J. Hampton, who is a Kentucky target and I believe was at Madness. Um, but his father was reached for for comment, uh, Roderick Hampton. And here's the quote he gave ESPN um, about Dawkins. He said that he never met him. And then he said, I heard his name a lot, but I've never met him. I'm taking my ass to work every day to make ends meet. I haven't found the land of milk and honey yet, and I probably won't find it anytime soon. So that's a pretty clear indication that at least the plan that was in uh, in theory uh, Dawkins laid out for R.J. Hampton didn't come to fruition uh, when you have that kind of statement coming from the dad. Yeah, I mean, the you know, as it pertains to Kentucky, specifically Kentucky, the Vanderbilt thing, his plan was to give the Vanderbilt Jared Vanderbilt family $30,000 in travel expenses to watch him play last year and a $25,000 signing bonus for his uh, dad whenever his son turned pro. Uh, in the email, Dawkins wrote that his brother Jamal and his dad were going to be part of the deal and get 25% on, uh, of our income on all sides, whatever that means. I think it and means proposed that... It, it means that they would get 25% of the income that they would have coming in off Vanderbilt's contracts. So, you know, the agent yeah. charge, charges oh. 10%. So of that 10%, the agency had coming in from Vanderbilt, the family would get a quarter of that, which doesn't seem to be a great business model if you're trying to run a business. Right. You know, also Dawkins proposed giving Vanderbilt a $100,000 line of credit, $1,000 advance on his marketing revenue. If did a lottery pick so you know and again note there that it's all proposed you know he proposed to do this he proposed and planned to do that so there's nothing he made those payments or that an agreement was made but that you see these all through there all these guys that they mentioned raleigh alkins at at, um, arizona uh, arizona you know it's all it's all plans it's all proposed to do reads like this is my dream because Dawkins was like a guy who was trying to be become somebody in this world. Um, he was a hustler and was trying to 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 move up in the world of of shady basketball dealings. Yeah. And uh, this was like his wish list. To, is how it reads to me. Now they they may very well and I facilitated some actual transactions, but uh, and they may very well connect the dots and and be able to prove that some money changed hands on some of these deals. But a lot of these look to me like the wish list, and uh, there's a bunch of names on them. I think the thing about this is it's this is going are going to come out something like this is going to come out for just about every top player of the last few probably by the time this is all said and done these little things these agent X Y Z or or shoe exec he uh, to talked about alleges to have uh, paid know this guy or his family and so it, it really what it highlights to me is this is a, like a never-ending just pile of poop on college basketball um, that's a pretty it, good description pull, you know we're up to basically every mostly avoided named in any real way in this you had the bam out of bio thing where it was that was a little different it was an agent basically what fronting like a loan until he got drafted was the was Listed in a sort of shady ledger or whatever. Yeah. Was last year, but mostly stayed out of the spot uh, in this case. Now you have to do it a little bit. I mean, you've got basically every major program 
at least mentioned in this thing and keep getting uglier and uglier and uglier and and we'll wait um who anybody actually gets gets punished for for these alleged payments all right yeah yeah and i think the other thing to note is that the fbi and prosecutors gave the go-ahead um, for the NCAA to start investigating these things and start using some of their evidence that was reported by Yahoo yesterday. And then, you know, ESPN also has it in this report. So that going forward uh, will be something to kind of keep an eye on without without question. So it's not going to end. You weren't there yet, Kyle, but I talked to Jay Billis before the, the Champions Classic, and he basically said, I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast, that he doesn't think any of this is going to be a huge deal. I mean, it's a deal, but it's not going to be a huge deal. And he put it like this. He said that, you know, no games were canceled last season. Everybody's checks got cashed that were above board, you know, coaches' salaries, et cetera, for the most part. And so he he doesn't think college basketball is going to slow down. And I basically agree with that to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I do think we're going to get to a point where some people get punished and schools get punished and coaches have to pay the piper. I think that's going to happen. I think some, and I think some, probably some big names be involved in that. But when that happens, I don't think college basketball is going to like people because they're so turned off that it's ugly, you yeah. know, you know, that the, that the underworld is ugly. They're going to tune in because they want to see, Zion Williamson do what he did the other night. RJ yep. Barrett. Yep. Um, the super team. And Yeah. So uh, we are going to get into some basketball talk uh, here in a minute. But first, I want to tell you guys about First Watch. Did you know they were voted Lexington's best breakfast recently? Listen, they got all kinds of awesome items. They got this thing called Million Dollar Bacon, which makes my mouth water just thinking about it. It's this bacon, which is drizzled with some sweet stuff, and then the salty and the sweet of the bacon is just delicious. They also got lemon ricotta pancakes, elevated egg sandwich, smoked salmon benedict. And when I went there recently uh, with my old basketball coach who was visiting in town for a game, Ron. Hey, Ron, how's it going? Um, I was there, and I got me an egg white omelet with the turkey inside it because I was feeling like I needed to get a little bit of healthy action that day. It was delicious as well. Put a little hot sauce on it. So, so good. Um, They are just a breakfast and lunch spot. They're open from 7 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. every day, but they get busy. So if you're going to go there and you want to make sure you get, you know, your food and everything, use the First Watch mobile app, which you can use to check out and, and see what their wait times are. And you can even get in line before you get there. It's so, so easy. If I'm looking for a breakfast spot, I hit up the First Watch. They've got three restaurants in Lexington, which are all locally owned, and a few others in Louisville and a bunch in Cincinnati. So if you're in any part of that area, hit up the First Watch. If you go there, you won't be disappointed. You don't want to watch the game. You need to watch the game. And if you are just wanting to watch your team, you're probably sick of paying for a bunch of channels you don't even use. Sometimes you're out about out and about on the weekend, and you need to try to catch some college football. This weekend, I'll be producing that pregame show for the UK Network over at Kroger. So I'll have to use my phone and be on my Sling TV app. Um, you can get Sling TV for 30 bucks a month, and that gets you ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and a bunch more. Sling TV is the best way to watch college football and college basketball. Stream on your big screen and all your favorite devices. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. 
No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime, and as I always mention, you can upgrade and downgrade your channel package depending on what you are feeling at that time. Right now, Locked On listeners can get a seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. You got nothing to lose. It's a free trial. Go to sling.com slash locked on. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, Kyle, so you didn't get a chance to talk about the Duke-Kentucky game because you were writing about it until, what time did you leave the arena? Uh, I think three, maybe a little after. Did how was your was exit? Late. How was your exit from the arena? Because I saw an accident. You saw an accident? Yeah. Did you see that they in Indianapolis they have these little electric scooters that you can rent? Someone, uh-huh, yeah, I saw those. Someone was on one of those and got hit by a van. Oh God, really? Yeah. Uh, so that was Jeez. that was kind of crazy to see at about two thirty when I was walking out. He looked oh. to be like he'll probably be okay, but they had an ambulance there to take him to the hospital. So. I mean, he was talking to everybody, the officers. I wasn't like a witness, witness where I saw it happen and had to, right. you know, answer questions. But I walked up on it right after it occurred. So I guess you didn't have that little excitement, no. little jolt of no. adrenaline to get me my to, to my hotel room. <laughs> no, it was uh, it, it was deserted when I left. It might have been like three thirty. I was the last person out of there. So congratulations! Uh, Did you get a prize? The, the security guy left me all alone in Baker's Life Fieldhouse. He said, "I'm going home." So. Was that but that was fun. So all right. The game. Just you know, you have you have a piece up on the athletic right now about it. And it's kinda the point of it is, and I won't give it all away, obviously, but we I think we you tweeted about this too. Calipari and we might have talked about it. Calipari wants talent over experience and it showed why you want that in the game. Yeah, I mean, you know, he didn't get it last year. He missed on the one, two, and three targets on the board. And those were R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Cam Reddish. And so he went another way and assembled a team a different way. And, you know, he was able to get some guys to come back and, uh, you know, get P.J. Washington back and then go get Reed Travis, a grad trans- grad transfer senior. And so uh, the the message became like, hey, I finally got some experience, and I love this. And, and I think he does. I think he would prefer to have some experience. But I think – he also wants the best player on the floor. Like he, ideally he has some experience and the best player on the floor. And that wasn't going to happen after he whiffed on those three guys. Uh, the problem for him was that all three of those guys who would have been the best player on the floor most nights, if he'd gotten any one of them, they all three went to Duke. And we got to see that like, there's a reason why you want to have superstars, even if they're young, because the theory had been, really kind of universally, we talked about this, everybody was picking Kentucky. It was because, you know, experience over youth and these superstar Duke guys are going to take a little time. Uh, they didn't. They were, just, they were just superstars. R.J. Barrett was unbelievable. He could get to the rim anytime he wanted. Nobody could stay in front of him. Uh, Zion Williamson was just, you know, tomahawk dunking on people. And, mm-hmm. and so much more than that. You know, he's this huge massive NFL defensive inside guy who's uh, snatches Nick Richards, seven footer, Nick Richards uh, shot right out of his hands, basically. And then leads a break and rifles a, a perfect bounce pass to, I think Cam Reddish or RJ Barrett, one of the two, um, you know, Cam Reddish sort of the forgotten of the three. He opened the game with a barrage of three pointers that really 
put Kentucky on its heels. Uh, yeah, they all, Duke started they all, out four for four, and three of those shots were threes. So Kentucky was doomed from the beginning almost. I, I mean, really from, from jump. It was really never a time. From that point on, they were pretty much down double digits mm-hmm. all the way, and, and pretty quickly they were down 21. Now they got it back to 12 and a couple times cut it back to manageable situations, but every time they did, it was just like Duke just kept shelling them. I mean, 118 points they gave up. Uh, the most in the Calipari era, the largest margin of defeat in the Calipari era. You know, those three guys combined for 83 points, and Kentucky's entire team had 84. Um, that is why Calipari said forever, I, you know, people want me to have older guys and seniors, but, like, give me the better talent over the experience almost any day. And, and that's why. You'd, you'd like to have both, but if you're choosing – I'll take the elite talent because if you got, I mean, if it's the, the truly elite talent, that's the point. Like they're better than everybody else. It doesn't matter what age RJ Barrett's the number one pick in the draft. It doesn't matter that Kentucky has some guys that have been in college for a year. That doesn't make you able to stop the number one pick in the draft. Um, and they couldn't. And um, I don't know that anybody can handle our uh, Zion after what we saw and having seen him as a recruit and now seeing what he did to a really good team in college, Zion is a, is the real deal. He is, he is just a, a total matchup nightmare for people. Um, Duke, it's one game, but, but you know, it's not, people are saying that too, like, well, pump your brakes. It's one game. Well, it's one game that now reinforces what we've seen with our eyeballs. People who followed these guys as recruits for, two or three years like yeah. okay they, they look like the best players in the world in this in the high school and aau realm well okay they just went and validated it in a big way against a really good kentucky team and made kentucky look like you know one of their exhibition opponents which is i mean it, that part of it to me was so stunning when have we ever seen a calipari coach team just blitzed off the floor just look completely overmatched well, talent-wise. You, you, you referenced it in your piece, and many people have brought it up. There was one game, and it was after Noel went out with his injury. Kentucky went to Tennessee and got destroyed by 30 points. But yep. that wasn't that isn't a comparable situation because there are factors, and that team wasn't as talented and wasn't ranked number two in the preseason poll and didn't have title expectations after losing their best player to an injury. So... You know, you throw that game out, and then the last time Kentucky looked that bad was the coach before Calipari um, with Billy Gillespie when they were in at Vanderbilt and they lost by 41 points. So, you know, th- 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 there hadn't been a team, a, a team that was fully healthy and all everything in place because, I mean, Calipari sometimes get well, I don't even need to say that. The, the, you just throw out the one game because there were so many mitigating factors, the Noel injury, that team being Calipari's worst by far, and then other than that, it just was something you never expected to see with John Calipari and a Kentucky team. Yeah, I mean, like that. Think, just think back to like that. even that 2013 Kentucky team. Before Noel got hurt, they were still probably Cal's worst team even before they got hurt. Yeah, that's fair. Before he got hurt. But, but didn't they beat Duke? Or no, they lost to Duke, but they played a really competitive game against Duke, and that was when Alex Poitras 
was going to be like the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, it was like a monster in that game. I mean, they 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 didn't look like they didn't belong that night. You know, I mean, it's just it's it's unthinkable. It was it was really kind of like disorienting to watch Kentucky just get dis- destroyed by somebody. And Cal looked very kind of helpless, and uh, and and at, at points, it like they, I mean, they, I think they eventually kind of got it back together and tried to play for some respect. But there were points where it felt like some guys were quitting. Um, all of that to me was uh, just just kind of surreal to watch, and, and was a was a huge announcement that like, okay, this Duke thing is for real. Uh, this experiment just might work. Playing, you know, three the three top guys and managing their egos. It didn't look like they had egos. They were sharing with each other just fine. Um, you know, playing three guys who were basically all six, seven small forwards together. Uh, that all worked out just fine. And it's, it's a pretty scary thing for college basketball. But I would also say from the Kentucky perspective, I, I'm not like writing them off. Um, I don't know if anything would change, you know, a few months from now if they had to play this Duke team again because it's the same three guys and Duke will have probably gotten better. But uh, I think Kentucky can get a lot better, and the good news for them is there's no other Duke on the schedule, and there won't be any other Duke in the NCAA tournament until they actually meet if they met in the NCAA tournament. That'd be a wild season if it ended with that, <laughs> to see what was yes. going to happen. Um, but, yeah, and that's the other kind of thing that I'm honestly – been impressed with Kentucky fans because they haven't gone all the way over the ledge from what I've seen. I've seen a lot of positive comments, and maybe it's just trying to spin it uh, in a good way, but a lot of, you know, this will be good for them because now they'll refocus, and maybe you're just trying to find a silver lining, but good on them for not, you know, living up to that stereotype of Kentucky fans being out of control and, you know, wanting, wanting Calipari fired after a game like this, and them maybe having a little bit of perspective, but in that situation, I still think there is some concern because the defense is just bad. It was bad in the exhibition games. Jimmy Dykes has been tweeting about it, and he was a commentator on one of those games and was mentioning it during the broadcast. The thing that Calipari said after the game, and it it blew my mind because I had noticed it, Duke only turned it over four times in the whole freaking game. That's, yeah. that's unbelievable. They, I mean, those guys are great. But that number isn't right. That's on Kentucky's defense. Yeah, they they had 22 assists and four turnovers and only one steal for Kentucky. And you know, Cal Perry said last night or whatever night. I'm I'm out. Yeah, it was last night as we're recording this. Well, it was disoriented. Kind of, it was morning, so for morning, yeah. He this said, morning. Uh, he said watching the exhibitions that he was saying to the staff, you know, something's not right. Um, you know, we're not getting enough turnover. Something's not right here. Um, and that, you know, I, I, I'm surprised by it because Cal Perry felt like he had some really good defenders. I mean, Keldon Johnson and Ashton Hagens and, you know, I think PJ Washington was, was expected to really defend well quickly, you know, a, a, at least a, a very good defender, if not a great defender. I, I think they felt like they really had something there. Yeah. And so I think it is sort of shocking to him, and it's really shocking to me. Yeah. So, I don't know. Coming up next, we're going to give you some numbers from the game. Most of them are negative. I don't know how we would spend any positive ones necessarily. And then, But then I, I do have a positive message from somebody to cheer up the people who root on 
the Kentucky Wildcats. But first, I want to let you guys know about Vivid Seats. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is a top source for tickets for all live events. You can sort by price or look for the seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, right now, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more. If you're looking for tickets for that Tennessee game, maybe check out Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Okay, so I got some numbers for you, Kyle. Okay. This is what was interesting to me, and you know, what did I don't, I don't even know what they finished from the, the three-point line. Kentucky, I think they made four, right? Four of 17. Four of 18 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, four of 17. But the, the problem I had with it was they had only hit two, and the, the way I have it in my notes, and this might be just a hair off, but I don't think it's a ton, only two players had hit a three before the under seven minute mark in the second half, and that was Reed Travis and PJ Washington. For a yeah. team that supposedly had some shooters on it, for those two big guys that aren't supposed to be counted on to be your only makes from outside the arc, that was also a kind of a surprising thing to me when I thought some of those guys, specifically Tyler Hero, would be a shot maker. Yeah, Tyler Hero looked a little bit uh, overwhelmed for most of that game. He did end up scoring and um, you know, of... put together a decent finishing stat line, but mm-hmm. um, but that was not that was against a, a different uh, different Duke mentality. I think towards you know down the stretch. That was a surprise a little bit. Aquate uh, couldn't really get, get anything going for himself. I mean, yeah, part me, of that is... Let me give you that. The, the We'll just lump in all the sophomores together. They combined for nine points on three of 12 shooting, five rebounds, three assists, nine fouls, four turnovers. That's for all three of those sophomores that were coming back. All three sophomores that were McDonald's All-Americans in high school. That is not enough production from those guys. No, and you know, PJ Washington, it was just a horrible night for him. You know, I, I just he's supposed to be one of their two or three best players and a guy who passed up the NBA draft and coming back planning to be a first round pick and he didn't have it, you know. That was that was not good. One thing I, I was gonna mention, you know, I was trying to think in the context of like, okay, it's one game early against a really good, you know, potentially historically good team, what does that do to you in the long term of the season? Well, Kentucky's been on the other side of this. In 2015, the 2014-15 season, in the Champions Classic, uh, Kentucky played Kansas. In the, it was the second game of the season that year uh, and destroyed Kansas. It was before they, even before they destroyed UCLA. Kansas was ranked number five. Kentucky – that was the 38 and one team won 70 to 40. So it was, you know, 40 points <laughs> they held Kansas to. Um, and that was, that team was a ridiculous collection of talent for Kentucky. And they went on and almost did something. I mean, they got, they got to the final four 38. No, people will diminish that team now because they didn't finish the job, 
But they got to the final four, 38-0. That was an undeniably dominant team, uh, you know, on the verge of historically good team. And so you go, well, it was a really good team. It was early. We lost by 32. Uh, It'll be okay. So, and it kind of was okay for, for Kansas. They ended up winning the Big 12, of course. We know that. They always do. But it wasn't a great season. Uh, they, they finished 27-9. and nine. They lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament to Wichita State. And so, you know, if you're looking for a historical comparison or a recent historical comparison to somebody getting just crushed by a historically good – a good team getting crushed by a great team in the, in the opening part of the season and can they recover, uh, it, it may be the sign that you're a little bit flawed. Uh, certainly was in Kansas case. They lost several games that season and lost in the second round of the tournament. So um, I think Kentucky could still be final four good, but they got a lot of work to do. And it definitely starts with the defense. And I think also, as you mentioned, figuring out whether they can shoot or they can't because the first (laughs) exhibition game, they went one for 13, Uh, you know, and I, 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 people will probably say, I told you so. I mean, I was kind of poo pooing all the overreaction, what felt like overreaction to exhibition games, their defense not being good, their, their shooting not being good, you know, not being able to stay in front of people. I, I took a lot of that as disinterest in playing those games, but it may have just been a sign that they got some problems. And certainly now after we watch them play Duke, we know they have some problems. Yep. All right, so here is that silver lining. Well, actually, I'll pause and I'll just tease that silver lining. First, I did want to tell you two quick things. One – we forgot to mention the last time Kyle was on. You need to go read Kyle's piece on Letters from Home, the Emanuel Quickly edition. It was my favorite one to read, and the P.S. will leave you laughing your head off. So go read that. It might cheer you up if you're in a downtrodden mood after Kentucky's beatdown. Also, you need to go listen to the podcast before this one where I was going solo. It's a shorter podcast, and I didn't break any down any part of the game down because I was waiting for Kyle to do that. But there is a secret code in there, Kyle. You didn't even You don't even know I did this. I got a secret code giveaway going in the podcast before this one. So we're trying some new stuff on the fly. I recorded it at like 3.30 in the morning, so I don't know why I, I like promised a gift, and I don't know what that gift is going to be yet, but it's going to be something. And if you want to get entered in that contest, go listen to the podcast before this one. All right, so here is the glimmer of sunshine, and it's brought to you from an unlikely source, Kyle. It is Rick Patino, and he tweeted out before the game, Gigantic opening of the basketball season with UK Duke tonight. I have a feeling the loser could be a big winner if they meet again in March. Interesting. <laughs> he probably thought Duke was going to win or lose. <laughs> I think I think that's what he thought. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Rick Pitino wrong again. Duke, I think he probably thought Duke was going to lose, so he was going to let that be out there. Goodness. Um, but, he, I mean, he could be right. Look. Maybe, well, there's a whole bunch of things. Like, first of all, there are five months of time have to pass, or however many, four it is, between now and, and March. That's a lot of time for a lot of things to happen. One, somebody could get injured. I mean, like, R.J. Barrett, God forbid, no one would wish this on anybody. But if, God, if, if R.J. Barrett or Zion Williamson blows out a knee, obviously that changes Duke. Or if... The NCAA comes calling. Uh, you know, Zion mentioned in some of these things uh, that changes things. If 
uh, you know, any number of things. <clears throat> maybe it, maybe they go a few games where one of these big three don't get enough attention or, or, or points and the, everybody singing Kumbaya and being happy for each other changes. You don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe people figure out a way. You know, this is one thing I mentioned today that I didn't quite understand why Calipari was willing to run with that team. And people say, well, he thought they had the deeper team and they were going to wear them down or yada, yada, yada. He just wanted them to do what they're going to do and doesn't, didn't care about the result. I, dare, I, I guarantee he cared about the result. He, he wanted yes. to win that game. He wasn't like, I'm going to teach my guys a lesson and prepare them for later in the season and sacrifice this high-profile national television season opener. No way. But um, – I was surprised by that because basically afterwards, Mike Shetsky thanked him. Essentially, he said, "There are going to be teams that will will try to slow us down because that may be, you know, slow the game down. That may be the only way to kind of stop that attack. Yeah. But we welcome high possession games because we'll just get out and run. They if they defensive rebound uh, and get the ball ahead, they've got four guys usually on the floor who can push it and handle it and finish it, and that is going to be devastating." Uh, for Duke. Yep, that's uh, true. And, and I mean, in the words of Salt and Pepper, they push it. They push it real good. Real good. So, yeah. So, all right, uh, you go ahead, Kyle. Well, I was just gonna say, like a lot of a lot of things can happen, but Duke looks like they're legit and they're gonna be legit. They're gonna be really good. It is possible, though, that from Kentucky's perspective, it is a good thing that they got humbled. And Calipari tweeted that, like, eh, my team, eh. my team, my staff, the players got humbled, you know. Uh, and I, uh, maybe this team began to feel way too good about itself because they had just dominated in the Bahamas. Um, and maybe we all overrated but like what that meant in the Bahamas. Uh, I think because they had the one team there, the, the mega – VMAX team that had the reputation for producing pros and allegedly has a couple of pros on it this year, and they demolished that team. Um, maybe we all overrated that, and maybe this team kind of overrated itself. And so you could theorize that you the, could. Experience, you the could. experience of getting just smashed on national TV will maybe refocus some guys. Yeah, and you can also polish a turd. Um, but (laughs) (laughs) so, all right. Uh, we've went a little bit long today, but we had a lot to break down. So makes up for the shorter podcast before this one. You can follow me on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. You can follow Kyle at, at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Be sure to be following at Locked on UK on Twitter and find Locked on Kentucky on Facebook. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And then most importantly, share it with someone else who, who would enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.